Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Callie Wells in April at the Durango Arts Center and Sunflower Theater when the theme was Rites of Passage. Callie calls the wilds of northern New Mexico home. She's lived 36 places in 46 years, but the mountains kept calling to her. She moved home in 2017 and has been soaking up all the beauty and culture of this area ever since. She loves quilting, canning, art classes, hiking, and anything to do with water. Her greatest joys are her family and friends. Here is Callie's story. In my mind, I have always seen myself as the largest girl in the room and hated that about myself. Come with me, if you will, to a little town in the Colorado mountains by the name of Telluride. It's not the Telluride you're thinking about, all the fancy swingers and all that. No, we're in 1978. (laughs) Telluride is like Mancus. It's tiny. We have about five blocks of Main Street, and my family has just moved there from Texas, and I instantly have fallen in love with mountains. I'm six years old. It's December, and it is snowing, and it is gorgeous. The snow is slid down off the church, which is right behind the post office on Main Street, and has built up to the roof, if you can imagine. And our greatest joy at six was climbing up there, getting on the roof, and sliding right down into the street. It was amazing. We're waiting for Christmas. It's my sister, my brother, and I. Um, Like any six-year-old, I cannot wait. I'm a bundle of energy, nerves. In the little parsonage in the church, we have a, a living room, and in that living room is a fresh-cut pine tree, and you all know how that smells. Pine is hanging in the air. My mom's doing all her baking, and it's amazing. You walk around the corner, and you look at that tree, and it's got these big, big, billowy just limbs everywhere, and from those limbs are peeking our Christmas presents. And it's my greatest joy to run in there and see what's coming next. What else is under there? My dad's made presents for us, handmade presents in his workshop, Um, a a cradle for me and my sister, baby rocking chairs, and a wooden horse for my brother. And there has appeared under these boughs these presents. You'll know the ones I'm talking about, the ones that are in department stores. They have the matching wrapping paper with the ribbon. I don't know about y'all, but in 1978, we didn't shop in department stores, and I knew that that meant those are presents for my grandma. My grandma Winland had sent presents, and that's what she always did. She matched everything, and it was uh, more than I could stand. How long was I going to have to wait to open those presents? But Christmas Day came, and I was up at the crack of dawn running down that hall to get to those Christmas presents, and I did, and I got her present. I ripped it open, and I opened it up, and inside of that box, y'all, was the cutest blue sailor dress. She thought ahead and gotten him for us for Easter, and I was just so excited. My sister was right next to me. She opened her box. She had one, too. And I was just like, ah. Oh. We, do, we didn't do store-bought clothes. We did free box. Y'all know about the free box in Telluride? That's where we shopped. I'm not complaining. We got some great stuff out of that, flea bo- that free box. But department store blue sailor dress, oh, my word. You know in the Christmas story when Ralphie's mom sends him off to try on the pink bunny suit from his aunt? It kind of went like that, but thank God it was not a pink bunny suit. I ran down the hall. I couldn't wait to put that on. I got to my room, and no matter how hard I tried, it didn't fit. 
And I remember trying and trying and trying. And then I had to accept the inevitable. And I had to walk down that hallway and tell my mom that that dress didn't fit. And I remember at six years old, shame and guilt. And it became a part of my life. I could never get rid of it. My parents were the great wanderers. I think that's a good word for them. We moved 31 times in 23 years. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of that. Just wanted to preface this that. At 10 years old, my parents moved us. We took off. We went down to Victoria, Texas. We left our mountains. went to the, to the warm hug of humidity. Oh, my God. In heaven. I am not a humid girl, let me tell you. Mountains are my place. We stayed there for a little bit. I met some really great people, but life there was really different. And where in Telluride, all we did was play outside. We just skied and hiked and camped and biked, and we were just outside. All of a sudden, I'm starting to hear things about diets and exercising and changing your size and all these things. Well, luckily, I wasn't there too long because the wanderers, they needed to wander, and they packed us all up, and away we went. This time, though, they just pulled a fast one. We ended up in Honduras. And I was really excited. It was really kind of the best mixture of mountains and ocean. Had them both. It was great. I was excited. I was 12. Doesn't take much. Anywho, I remember that when we got to Honduras, it was an interesting thing because missionary life is very isolated. You don't have a lot of people who understand your culture. You don't have a lot of people who understand your customs. And you can't speak to each, to each other. You don't speak their language. And that's a problem for me because I'm a talker. <laughs> and in six months, I'd learn how to talk to them. But I still was isolated. Not a lot of Americans where we were. So I, I remember that this is the point in my life, these formative years, we were there until I was almost 17, that one voice ruled my life. And that voice only cared about what I weighed, what my measurements were, what the number was on the scale, and what the number was in my pants. And if I made all, if I could accomplish all the things that they wanted, and this was a trusted person in my life, I was approved of. We counted every calorie, we looked at every teaspoon, we, everything. And if I didn't, then there was more shame and more disapproval, and then I felt more guilt. And at about 17, I had mastered the art of hating myself. I could berate myself in two seconds flat, dress myself down, why I should have, why I shouldn't, whatever. And it was a really, really difficult time in my life. My parents packed us up and moved us back to Texas, and that's one of the most wonderful memories of my life, because there I reconnected with some friends. Mary Hancock was newly wed. Mom of a baby, married, and her sister-in-law was my best friend, Beth. You have to understand, Beth and I, we're complete opposites. If Beth was standing here right next to me, she'd be about this tall. She also weighed about 80 pounds soaking wet. She could run, play volleyball, run track, and then still need to practice when she got home. Me, I'm like, oh, Lord, sister, I'm done. This girl would go on and on, but you know what they did for me? They never looked at me as far as my shell. They didn't judge what I was eating. They didn't judge what I was doing, how active I was. They just loved me. And for the first time in my life, I felt safe. 
and ensued some of the most precious memories of my life. In that little two-bedroom trailer, I can see it if I close my eyes. We laughed until 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. We played cards. Mary would kick on 1990s, 1980s country music. Sorry, I know that's offensive, but she'd turn it on. <clears throat> we'd take that little table, and we'd just push it out of the way. And me and Beth, she was, well, little. I always had to lead. We would learn to foxtrot, we learned to waltz, we learned to two-step, and I will never, ever forget those ladies because that was the first time in my life I saw that there was a different way to live. I wish I could say that at that point I was good. I wasn't. I left there not long after my parents, you know, wanderers, and on I went, diet to diet, failure to failure, gain, lose 20, gain 30, lose 30, gain 50, and I would hate myself. And into my life walked my husband, and he thought I was the most beautiful thing in the world, and I just was like, oh my gosh, and I soaked it up. And you know what? That lasted for a little bit. It was wonderful. But eventually, the old voice of shame and hate came back in and kept telling me, how can he love you if you can't love you? And then, as life does, two wonderful things happened to me. I found out I was pregnant and Margaret was born, and she was just this sparkly little light of joy, and all of a sudden I knew what it was to have unconditional love for someone else. Huh, that was new. And then on her first birthday, crying, I took a pregnancy test to my husband to let him know we were going to have another one. And, oh, my gosh, it completed our family. She was the most perfect ending to the Wells clan. Cheeky, Gerber, baby, artistic, blonde hair, blue eyes, oh my gosh. And it inspired me to change myself. I wish I could say it happened then. It didn't. We go through the years and people would look at my life and say, oh, that's a perfect life. She's got to be so happy. But no, in my head, it was still every calorie, every bite, every weigh-in, every measurement, everything, the insanity. And then at 42, I found out I had a malignant tumor. And I went in for surgery, and all I wanted was to be here. That's all I wanted. And I went in for what was supposed to be just a removal of the ovary, da-da-da-da-da, woke up, menopause. Anybody feel me? <laughs> oh, my God. As if the insanity had not already been enough. Menopause. Night sweats. Not sleeping. Hormones out of whack. Craziness. Depression. More weight gain. And I gave up. But you know what? This little voice in me kept whispering, go home. And I, called, I went to my husband and I said, we need to go home. This is where I'm going to find out how to be healthy and fix myself and learn how to love myself. So he said, to his credit, he always does that, man. He said, okay, let's go. And he put our house in the market and three weeks later, we were homeless. And I called home, northern New Mexico. I'm from Aztec. Jamie, my sister, oh, my God, look, listen to what happened. She's like, bring them. We want you. And we packed up our circus, and we added it to their circus. And you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Two seniors, a sophomore, two couples, an 85-year-old mother-in-law, an old roping horse, six, seven dogs, and two mean cats. It was a circus. But you want to know what? We had the best time. We laughed. We reminisced. We reconnected. And she shared with me soul work. And I began the work 14 months ago, and I stand before you tonight proud. Did I lose some weight? Yeah, I did. 50 pounds. I lost 50 pounds last 
last year. Eh, that's good. But you know what I'm really proud of? Here's what I'm really proud of. That there are these people that have come into my life from Montezuma County, from San Juan County. They have taken me in. They have loved me. They have shown me that love that Beth and Mary gave me, and it made me brave. And now I can look in the mirror, and I can see that little girl with her blue sailor dress, that teenager in Honduras, that young mother. And I can look them in the eyes, and I can say, I love you. And that is what I'm most proud of. Thank you. Thank you, Callie, for that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. A list of our live storytelling events in 2019 is also on our website on the events page. Subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and share these stories with your friends. If a particular story makes you laugh, cry, or look at your world with a little bit more clarity, please leave a comment and let us know. Big thanks to our photographer, McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about the wonderful projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Check out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com. And our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook. Now for an outtake. <laughs> Are you vaping right now? <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. It seems different. You seem different. Ooh, I feel Just so much better. seem more relaxed, which, you know, that's good. Hey, that's good. I'm loose, man. <laughs> Just feeling loose. You're real jazzy right now, real jazzy. <laughs> Your jazz hello, my hands. Are... Hello, my baby. Hello, my right The jazz hands are making me nervous. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Jazz hands never hurt anybody. Okay. <laughs>